Hello, beautiful listeners. Nathan here. Just wanted to let you guys know that you may have noticed at the beginning of this episode, we call the podcast the definitive list of everything ever. Also, the title has changed. That is because the quest for the best, uh, apparently everyone had the same idea we did, which means great minds think alike and also means we don't know how to use Google. So for the next handful of episodes, I may intro the show with Welcome to the Quest for the Best and then say something not funny, but the actual name of the show is definitely the definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition, until we Google that and find someone else took that too. So enough of me talking, just wanted to let you know, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Quest for the Best, Disney edition, no colon this week. Okay, yeah, there's colon, but nothing after it. Psych, y'all fell for it. I'm your host, Nathan, and with me we have an emperor who also turned into a llama. It's James. Hey, everybody. That's correct. And then the other side, we have a really boring, terrible movie. It's Derek. Hey. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything because I kept. I tried to think of right then. I was like, I'm going to think of something from Atlantis Lost Empire that is like, you know, really annoying and dumb because that's what I associate you with apparently. And I couldn't think of anything but the whole movie. So what about I, the mole guy? I freaking hate him. No. Well. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, that was what my intro was going to be. Okay, wait. Um, if you're listening to this, pretend that didn't happen. So okay, we're moving. Good, James. Blah blah blah. Oh, and here we have also with me. A hairy, stinky man who doesn't bathe and crawls in dirt. It's Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for confirming what I just said. Hello. So, if you somehow didn't guess what movies we watched this week based on this amazing intro, you're going to have to keep guessing because we have to do the quiz we did this week for The Emperor's New Groove. Which just told you what one of the movies was. Uh, I mean, do children listen to this? I mean, that's the only people at this point who'd be dumb enough to not figure out what movies you watch. But anyway, James found a quiz on BuzzFeed where the qualityest of content goes to live about which Emperor's New Groove character we are most like. So, James, which Emperor's New Groove character are you most like and why is it Yzma? It's it's not Yzma and it's not Kuzco if you can believe it. It is Kronk. It's Kronk, isn't it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I am loyal and ridiculously good looking. I may be goofy and clumsy at times, and I am dri- but I am driven by my conscience, which leads me to lay everything out on the line for the people I'm closest to. Yeah, you guys. And do we sense excellent cooking skills as well? Well, no, probably. Say no. Mm. Whatever. Have you even had my cooking? Yeah, your spinach puffs. Is that like the nice like thing? Like spinach can, puffs? Is that the nice thing they can say about Kronk? Because he's like totally an idiot. I don't know. I love Kronk. Yeah, that's, that's why I love Kronk. his his own. Did you know they made their own movie for Kronk? What? I think I, I bet you'd enjoy it. It's called Kronk's New Groove. I hate you so much. <laughs> what? Derek, you and I got the same freaking person again, because we are the same person, except when it comes to ranking Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. On the list, <laughs> yeah. who did you get? I got Chicha. You are responsible and feisty. Your head sits squarely on your shoulders, and you make great decisions when it's crunch time. 
You have a big heart and you fiercely protect those closest to you. The world needs more of you. I don't know if I agree with that last part. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, BuzzFeed <laughs> said it is so. BuzzFeed, the holder of the all-worldly knowledge, has declared that our podcast is a combination of Kronk and a side character that's pregnant and barely in the movie. So thanks, BuzzFeed, for everything. If you want to take this quiz yourself, you can click on a link in our description. I don't know why you do that, but I mean, you could, I guess. I mean, there might be more chicas that could, you know, talk to you guys. Wait, is her name literally Chica? No, it's I think so. It's with an H, Chicha, I think. Okay, because I'm like, Chica okay, is like girl, girl in Spanish. And these are supposed to be Mesoamericans, which didn't have Spanish because that was imported. Never mind, right. I take it back. <laughs> I know my history books. <laughs> I know all about history now, thanks to watching Atlantis, The Lost Empire, of Pocahontas. Oh, um, good. Yep, that's where I get all my history from Disney. I'm, I have to erase space in my brain for these movies, unfortunately, and now it's just full of Michael J. Fox. Are you erasing history lessons or other things in your brain? I don't know. It's kind of random. Sometimes I forget how to breathe because of The Lion King, but I think that's a fair trade. That's a little distressing. Well, at least it wasn't for, like, you know, Tarzan or something, I guess, or Oliver and Company. Oh, no. All right. Should we talk about the movies, fellas? Yeah, let's talk about them. That's the reason why people listen to this degenerate mm-hmm. filth. All right. You'll be pleased to know, dear listeners, we have crossed over into a new millennium. It's the year 2000, and the Emperor's New Groove has hit store shelves. And by store shelves, I mean the internet. I mean theaters on the 15th of december oddly enough and um, this one did not come out in june probably because it was another movie that didn't get made properly but we're not going to get into that right now now the emperor's new groove plot synopsis is about this greedy douchebag emperor named Cusco in mesoamerica did they have emperors back then like i don't actually know if that's historically mm. accurate i don't know this movie's I don't, yeah, I mean, I know they had rulers, but I don't know whether they specifically called them emperors or what the word in their language was for their rulers and whether that translated to emperor in the first place. And this movie is pretty much anachronism. Yeah. It's clearly an English translation. Okay. I mean, the entire reason that they call him an emperor is because at some point in time, this was supposed to be the. The Emperor's New Clothes. No, it wasn't. It was supposed to be Kingdom of the Sun. Are yeah. you saying they named the Emperor just for the Emperor's New Groove joke? Because I could agree with that. Okay. Probably. Anyway, David Spade, everyone's favorite actor, star of such great films as Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2, stars as Kuzco, the, the previously mentioned Emperor who has a groove, although it's not actually super relevant to the story, his groove, just the introduction. He's a giant prick, and then he gets John Goodman, who's not playing a creepy person, trapping people in his basement, like in 10 Cloverfield Lane, and instead is a good guy. And he's like, I'm going to trash your house. And he's like, no. And then his evil advisor, Kirill DeVille, or whatever her name is, turns him into a llama, him being Cusco, to try and take over, and then it succeeds. And then Cusco has to learn the power of friendship and not being a huge a-hole to everyone you know. 
and becomes friends with Pacha, aka John Goodman, and Kronk's in the movie. That's it. Is that a good synopsis? It's probably a terrible synopsis, but I don't freaking care. <laughs> the plot doesn't really matter. It really the plot doesn't. does not matter in this movie. It's a Looney Tunes movie. It's Disney wanted to make a Looney Tunes movie, and so they did. And that's this movie. Um, that's fine, I guess. Anyway, someone should tell me what they think about it. I think that person should be James. All right. So I skipped watching this when it was in theaters because I thought the trailer looked horrible. I still stand by that, that the trailer was awful and that marketing should feel ashamed for what they did. I ended up watching it kind of forced by a friend who was like, you have to watch this movie. Eh, it doesn't look that good. Made me take it home on VHS. I watched it, I don't know how many times with my brothers and multiple times since. So I really enjoy this movie and I thought it was super fun this round. Hmm. Friends telling other friends, no, really, this movie is good, seems to be a trend for this franchise. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) For all the movies. But yeah, (laughs) my opinion. Um, You know, I can't remember if I saw this one in theaters. I probably did because I kept watching Disney movies in theaters into my 20s. So chances are that I did. Um. I didn't really watch trailers at the time, so I didn't see the trailers, so I had no idea what about I had no idea what it was going in, and yeah. I loved it. It was amaz- it was funny. I like good comedies and quick impressions this time around. While it's still funny, I have been noticing that comedies don't have much rewatchability. Like if you already know the joke, it gets to a point where you're like, Oh ha 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 yeah, pull the lever, wrong lever. <laughs> that was funny. Still funny. Huh. (laughs) This was the last Disney film I've ever seen in theaters. Like mainline animated Disney film. You mean until Wreck-It Ralph 2, right? Oh wait, I saw Wreck-It Ralph. Crap. Okay, until Wreck-It Ralph then. Does that count? Is that a mainline Disney film? Yeah, it is. Well, poop. I want it to just be The Emperor's New Groove. Oh well, whatever. Um, That was like the last one for like 12... 13 years or whatever. Yeah. So funny story. My birthday is three days before this movie came out. And for my birthday party, I was 15 at the time. Um, we were going to, I had to choose between watching this movie and the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And when I chose this movie over the Dungeons and Dragons movie, all of my fake friends decided to not come to my birthday party anymore. And so only like three people came. Are you serious? And, yeah. That sucks. <laughs> Which is extra insulting because the Dungeons and Dragons movie is total human garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there may be I, an episode on that one because that's worth ripping into. This movie oh. had a hundred million dollar budget. Oh, anyway, um, and the tagline was nuttier than a holiday fruitcake. Wow, good. Anyway, um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it was not what I expected at all. I think at this point, the last Disney film I'd seen in theaters was probably... Aladdin. Uh, I didn't go to the theaters a lot as a kid, so at least not for Disney films. I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I actually liked David Spade at the time because I was watching Tommy Boy and Black Sheep a lot, the Chris Farley, David Spade comedy duo movies, which mm-hmm. I still think are pretty funny. Um, rewatching it, my affinity for David Spade has kind of decreased. Um, 
as Derek said, sometimes once you know all of the jokes, it's less funny. I do think there are jokes in this film that are that sustain that last the test of time. Um, I think it has a lot of clever bits in it. I like it, and it's just complete ridiculousness and the fact that it just loves its anachronisms and doesn't mm-hmm. care. But I also felt that since the comedy was such a huge pillar of the film, I didn't enjoy it as much as I had the previous couple times. Um, so there's that. I'd also like to point out, this is the only Disney film I've ever bought on Blu-ray. The only Disney film I ever owned until James bought me Aladdin. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I, I owned on my own. Like, not as a kid. I'm not going to get excited to buy it. But, like, when I left home as I became an adult, this was the only Disney film I ever bought. So, you know, it's got that going for it, I guess. Sort of. Kind of. Glad I got you Aladdin, at least. Yeah, I'm glad you did, too, because it's a better movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, see, Nathan, thing- you should have been friends with us. When you were 15, because we would have gone to see Emperor's New Group with you in the theater. Yeah, well, you both lived in... Derek might not even have been in the country. I don't know. Yeah, what year was it? 2000. I said that in the intro. Why oh. don't you pay attention to me? Short attention span. I sometimes feel like I'm Cusco. <laughs> oh, but apparently I'm not, according to the survey. So I got at least I can put that behind me now. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> oh, what? What, James? Spit oh, I said, out. oh, good. You can, you can put that... Kuzco behind you and you'll know, be a nice bed. Yeah. yeah. You can be yeah. Pachin now instead. I'm definitely not Pachin. Um, <laughs> I'm the only one here that's married, so I am kind of like Pacha. But anyway. Um, Wait. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so, if I'm Kronk, that makes Derek Yzma, right? Ugh. Are you guys like a weird odd couple? Mm-hmm. So what are things about the Emperor's New Group that make you still like it James. And don't say, ah, because it's funny. I want no. actual critical analysis this time. Okay. I think Yzma is a great, um, how do I want to put it? Like, deconstruction of the class Disney villain. Well, that too. Um, but like, like taking a podcast. There goes our G rating. Sorry, keep going. We don't have a G rating anymore. Oh, okay. I love how they took like the Maleficent kind of character, the evil stepmother from Cinderella, and turned her into just ra- raging, crazy lady. I think she's still really great, very watchable. It's probably why I like the movie so much. I really enjoy her interactions with Kronk. I feel like that's one of the jokes that still holds up. Um, that's completely like holds him in disdain, but is completely dependent on him for anything physical. Yeah. I yeah. love that dynamic between the two of them. I think eh, Kuzco and Pacha's uh, relationship isn't my favorite, but I feel like Yzma and Kronk really carry me through the film. I like Pacha a lot. I don't know I if I like his really great. I don't know if I like his relationship with Kuzco. It kind of feels like the message is forced. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Pacha comes off as like a genuine, like every man, very well. And I mean, it's John Goodman who just sounds friendly. Yeah, um, I really time. like. Yeah, I really like his wife. She might be my favorite character in the movie, which is why I was really? glad I got her. Yeah, she's just really funny and really clever, and kind of a jerk. And I like 
she's a good foil to Pacha, who's just mm-hmm. like so open hearted and good that he's kind of an idiot. He's like Ned on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his wife is like also good, but doesn't take guff. <laughs> which... She's way more grounded than Pacha is. Hmm. Yeah, she lives in reality, probably because she has to stay at home with those little twerps all the time. Yeah. But I think she's the only character that does have a reality out of everybody. Hmm. Everyone else is just kind of giant caricatures of their trope. Mm-hmm. Especially Kronk, it, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, going off of Game of Thrones, it almost feels like Ned and, Tyr- and, Ned and Tyrion as a married couple. Kind of. Except Tyrion's smart, yeah. and Kuzco is not. Well, I'm talking Tyrion plays the role of Chicha in this situation. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Mm. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, so you really like Yzma. I really like... I don't know. I like all the characters. I kind of like Kuzco. Um, I think Kuzco's watchable, for sure. He's a lot I don't know more... if he's as funny as he was 17 years ago. Yeah, he's also way more watchable as a llama, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is yeah. why I think the sequel was and the TV series was a mistake because he looks just like a total a hole when he's normal. Mm-hmm. But as a llama, I think that allows for a lot more physical comedy that plays off his character a lot better. Mm. I love how frantic the energy is in this movie. I still like it being a Looney Tunes film where everything's just crazy all the time. It, and clearly only one character is in reality, but I, well, I just, even, I think even she's not because she, she orchestrates the whole weird Yzma contraption that turned that eventually well, makes like, her a chicken pinata. And it's just breaking all the laws of physics that the kids can beat them down the hill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was the one thing I noticed more this time around was all the weird things that we would complain about in other Disney movies because they broke reality. Like when, the bats fly in the Cusco's mouth and the force of the bats pushes them all the way up <laughs> to the top. Well, I mean, one of the best jokes comes from hanging a lantern on that. Like, you know, you know, the scene where they show up in the lab and he's all looking for this. He's like, no, how did you get here before us? He's like, well, yeah, that is probably my favorite joke. In the movie, yeah, actually, by all accounts, it doesn't make any sense. And then they just keep going. Yeah, it's like they have to do it because the plot requires it, right? Like, uh-huh. I don't think there's like they didn't spend very much time on the plot in this film, and I don't think it matters as much because it has that Looney Tunes feel. I guess. Yeah, it does. I'm not going to negatives, but I feel the saddest part to me is I feel like the meat of the story is supposed to be. You know, Cusco's redemption with Pacha. But every scene with them where they're trying to have the moments that build up to that are just dull in comparison to the pace of the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Like them sitting around the campfire, them having like making it kind of making up and you know, when Cusco's lying initially. Like it just doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. And it feels really weird and out of place compared to just the crazy utter lunacy that is the remainder of the film. Yeah, I think the best part of the movie is easily um, the part where, you know, where they're both now actually friends. Everything after that is, is my high-paced, some of the, f- pretty much most of the funniest bits in the movie are after that point. There's just oh. like gag after gag after gag uh-huh. at that point. Cusco getting his comeuppance in the jungle because he's a dick is pretty funny. Well, that too, yeah. 
I mean, I you, love that squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> that squirrel is one of my favorite characters in Disney films as an animal, I guess. Out of all of the animals, yes, but then again, the contender. I think I think Kronk talking to squirrels is kind of a weak joke, though. Really, I I still really enjoyed that joke. I mean, I understand he had to be good at something. Oh wait, I lied. Kronk's Devil Angels might be my favorite joke in the movie. Oh, the part where okay. the part of the Devil Angel says, "Point two, look what I can do." <laughs> he just does a handstand, and then Kronk's like, "What does this have to do?" And his other is angels like, "Wait, wait, no, no, no point." He's got a point. <laughs> okay. I think that might be my favorite joke in the movie. Yeah, honestly, out of all the shoulder devil and shoulder angel jokes in all of media, I think those this is the best one. Well, and the fact that he's talking to them in reality, so like they see that in context yeah. of them watching him do it and be like, what on earth is going on? Like yeah, that that was another fa- this review is just going to be a series of, oh wait, my favorite joke is actually Okay, yeah, well so- then I'll I'll move on. Here's one. I love the colors that they did in this film because yeah. it really contrasts the characters, and I think they got the coloring spot on. Well, I yeah, like I how mean, Kronk sticks followed, out so much compared to everybody else. They followed color palette rules where you know Goodman's earth tones, so he's like the natural man, and mm-hmm. Cusco's a red llama, which is like you know the conflicted character and the energetic character, like. Yeah, and Isma's just evil colored. Purple. Yeah, no, it does. It's really the evil color. <laughs> apparently. This is also like the epitome of, I, I, I know I complained about like the weird MS paint coloration of characters, like mm-hmm. contrasting with incorrect backgrounds. And I think this movie is the one where like, oddly enough, this is where that style of foreground characters best fits. Like because the backgrounds are wild and manic. It's kind of like Hercules in that regard, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it, that style I feel synergizes best with itself. And that isn't to say it doesn't work on like Hunchback or Lion King, where they obviously I adore those films. But I feel like this as like a comprehensive whole works visually. I think this reminded me of the fact that I actually bought this on DVD before I even had a DVD player. And I would watch the special features on our computer because that's, you know, we didn't have a DVD player yet. And I remember thinking, oh, these these guys put in so much effort with the backgrounds because they would talk about, and I think I watched the audio commentary even on this movie. I was pretty obsessed with this film. But they talk about how they would design the background to reflect what was going on. So when there's the dinner scene, all their food is on the wall and then, um, like, Yzma's stuff is, her, like, face is plastered everywhere when she takes over the yeah, like palace. That. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that they, and I mean, I probably, you know, 15, very impressionable, like, oh, yeah, they're the best filmmakers ever. But I still think it holds up that they, they did do well with the layout and with the colors and with the design of this film. It's weird to me that everything in the palace is super minimalist when it comes to the backgrounds and everything out in nature is all very detailed yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i always thought that was an interesting choice i don't know if it's supposed to show Cusco's shallowness like because i mean people do that probably purpose. but yeah i don't know you watch mm. the special features you could tell me if that's right derek sounds that like he doesn't sounds agree perfect. with any of this yeah huh? he doesn't you've been going the whole time do you not agree what do you think no i agree. He did it again i heard it <laughs> stop that <laughs> no i agree i agree i mean i was just thinking about it because i hadn't thought of the back. I don't know. I don't pay attention to the backgrounds as much with this movie, but 
Well, I've seen it too many times, clearly. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's... I definitely agree. I think kind of, like, with the whole more detail out in nature, just kind of maybe they were going for a this is the real this is the real world to go along with Cusco's old values were shallow and not correct and then by showing the outside world which is where he ends up at the end of the movie it just shows oh you know this is you know this is correct more attention and care was put into this there's a richness to Potch's life that definitely isn't found in Cusco's that mm-hmm. is emphasized by the background this is way overanalyzing a film about freaking Looney Tunes characters. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, it's weird oh. that it came from this epic film, and finally someone was just like, this is not working for you guys. What would you rather be doing? And they turned it into this total insanity, and it worked way better. Yeah, it's it's surprising. I'm curious how much of this was ad-libbed by uh, Spade. Probably I, a good I, portion. I, I couldn't find anything on it. Like, everyone knows that most of the genie lines in, in Latin are ad-libbed. Like, they just rewrote the whole... Like, it was so ad-libbed that when they couldn't, they couldn't nominate it for Best Screenplay because the screenplay didn't match anything that genie actually said. <laughs> meanwhile, right? meanwhile, the screenwriter's like, quick, quick, rewrite it. <laughs> but, like, Emperor's New Groove, like, it, there, I couldn't find anything about whether Spade ad-libbed any of it or not. I actually don't know. I'm assuming a decent amount of it was, but... I'm trying to remember, was Spade... I can't even remember now at this point, but I think he might have been attached before it turned into the comedy. Because I know Eartha Kitt was as the Yzma character while it was still Kingdom of the Sun. I don't know why you put him as a king character for an epic when like his film credits up to that point are comedy. Like, like this guy was the one lined up to be in Joe Dirt. Like <laughs> well, I don't know if that's like really the guy you want. He was interestingly. The Kingdom of the Sun was supposed to be more like Prince and the Popper, and Pacha yeah. was more like the Popper version of him. So I bet that if I bet it wasn't David Spade. What they trying that. to? What they trying to cut out that other movie, the Prince and the Beggar, or whatever that 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 other guy was making, the epic that never came out. That that was based in Mesoamerica. Mm. Uh, I'm totally right about this. I just can't remember what it's called. That's I believe you. I just. I'm, not registering apparently yeah, whatever it's not relevant watching these films mm. just like you i i something i like and, and also conflicted about is i like that it plays a lot of jokes straight um it plays a lot of its oddities whereas like jake derek said it puts a lantern on all of its weirdness that doesn't make any sense a lot of the time which i enjoyed um it also looks at like disney tropes like I, I don't know the, when all the guards are turned into animals, and one of them just doesn't want to <laughs> go, go anymore. Like that's a funny joke on like you know Disney's living animals thing, right? Like or yeah, like the, the castle objects in, in uh, Beauty and the Beast. They're right. just oh, we're gonna stick around and keep working, and the one guy's like, I'm a cow, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> right? I'm, yeah, he doesn't want me to turn back to a person. He just leaves. But like. I don't know. Part of that aspect I like, and part of it I feel like they either didn't take it far enough, or it just didn't... I don't know. It still is in such sharp contrast with the touchy-feely points that it's really... I don't know. It's weird to me. But whatever. It's well, still should funny. We, should we merge into some of the things that are not working for us this round? Sure. I like mm. how this is way shorter than... <laughs> than our usual. 
Well, what? Derek Cheekmark? Mm. Did you have something else you wanted to say? No, that was a chuckle. Oh. Um, <laughs> the Emperor's New Groove. This movie has one song. It's okay. Yeah, it comes back at the end, so, yeah. I like yeah, this song. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, his catchphrases are way less endearing to me this time. <laughs> I'll say that. The whole boom baby and no touchy just aren't funny. Hmm. His the way he's really mean to the girls, I didn't find as funny this time. I actually thought it was kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I thought was kind of funny about that was that, you know, he finds all these things to nitpick, and they're literally the same character design. The only thing that changed was the hair. Yeah, I thought that was funny, and though it was weird that like that he didn't like get married it's like that didn't play any role in like what you thought his arc was going to be which was it just showed he was a dick i guess yeah i mean sure i mean my question to you guys is do you think the ending was the right ending like hmm is is the build-up of his friendship with pacha the right ending for it because the original ending was he's actually still going to build kuzkotopia and Phil Collins watched it, and he was like, uh, "No," and he made them rewrite it. Huh. So I don't see how that would fit in if he learns the same lesson, and then he still builds, or does he still build Kuzgotopia on the other place? Is, was right, that he builds did? it on the other the other hill, but still, the Phil Collins like shut that down and made it just like a hut instead. Like my, that's actually one of my biggest problems with the film is I feel like. His transformation doesn't feel particularly earned. Mm-hmm. Like, like as it, as narrator, right? He narrates over it and talks about how unfair everything is, and then it gets back. You know, at the beginning, it's him after he's he is a right. douchebag to Pacha for the forty seventh time, and it's left alone in the jungle and it's raining and he's sad. And so, like it, the the character moment of the transfer is when the narrator says stuff and the llama on screen, Cusco says, "Shut up, just leave me alone." But he never has a moment where he's like, he states like that he was wrong or that he learned any sort of lesson. Like it never feels like. That's where I get a lot of dissonance with this film because I don't know what the point is. Like, mm-hmm. so where did he change, and and why did he change? Did he did he change because? He realized that when he's addicted to people, bad things happen to him because that's a selfish change. Or did he realize that he wants to have friends because that's not really conveyed? Like, there, I don't understand his character arc at all. Well, I think that the whole wants to have friends is what they were driving for because that's, you know, that's the that's the yeah, focus of the last want, song, right? Sure, but he never was want for them before. He was totally fine being himself. Like it wasn't like he was in the castle and secretly deep down or even not even secretly deep down, but there was some sort of implication of his life that mm. he needed friends. Like it's like the the wrong version of Basil meeting it's not Watson, what's his name? Dawson. 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 There we go. That's like Pretty good comparison, actually. Jeff. Because Basil needed Dawson to win. Cusco didn't need Pacha to win. He needed that to be a better person, but was that the point? The hmm. problem is that... The pro- the thing was that Dawson came to a pre-established situation that the Basil couldn't win, and it was clear that because he allowed Dawson to help him, 
that was the missing link. I think he saw that and it allowed him to value himself as a person better. But it was a pre-existing thing that he came into where Pacha was just kind of there. And like when this whole thing happened and it wasn't a problem really before Pacha came, it's, it's a, such a different situation that I can't, I mean, I still agree that your comparison is apt because it's a similar type of story. But I think Basil and Dawson, it works and it's clear. It's this established one. that he need as a character will need friends to succeed. And that is what is missing in his life. His landlady even says it right. Like he's, he's stuck in this loop and can't get out. And Cusco's stuck in the loop, but there's not even like a recognition of it. Right. And to mm. me, like him being a dick as an emperor is not actually a bad thing because he's a ruler. He can do whatever he wants. Like, yeah, it sucks as a character, but as a person, but like, that doesn't mean he's being held back in any way in his life. Like you're not seeing mm. him unfulfilled. He's completely satisfied with his life. In fact, he loves his life as being yeah. a huge dick. So what did he accomplish? The answer is not a whole lot. Like he didn't learn. He learned that having one friend is, and not being a jerk to that one friend is okay. Like mm-hmm. he didn't Basically. really have any, it's just so weird. And like, again, the moment of his transformation when he's supposed to make the switch where he's like humbled, See, that moment I felt kind of worked, but it, it would have worked better if I knew what the stakes were, where he goes and yeah. eats the grass, and he's it's clearly his Bleh. local is being humbled. Like, that scene could have lasted longer. Like, it could have mm-hmm. been that situation for longer. It could have really beat it home where he realizes, like, when he, it just, I don't know, it just didn't, I liked the scene, but it still felt well, and to no effect. Towards the end of that, like, film, he still is saying snarky, salty things to pacha so if that if the message was be nice to your friends well he's not super nice to his friends even after they are friends you know he tells them we're not making any progress with you choosing the vials and you know i i've been all up and down your mountains and i'm not hearing any singing see i thought that was okay because i was just sound like a friendly ribbing but him like genuinely being annoyed with pacha and the vials again yeah it did felt like a backtrack on his character though. Mm. I mean, him being nice to the old man was definitely supposed to be like showing that he was trying to that he realized he was wrong. But right. like, what did he go apologize to all those women? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand what his character was supposed. Okay, to that learn. would be a hilarious scene, though, Nathan. Where he goes him and going says, and apologizing to the girls. Your hair is okay. <laughs> you don't. You're not normal. You're not average. You're not boring. And just the same way, except the opposite. That actually kind of changed. <laughs> Yeah. I would watch this. Here's the thing is him building Cusco-topia, after all, is truer to his character, oddly it enough. It is. <laughs> That's why I, the, the storyboards, because I've watched them, of course, because, you know, about the DVD, they had a different joke where, like, everybody's there and the animals, the people that got turned into animals are there, like, playing the, what's it called, Limbo? And then Kronk shows up and he's making food for everybody and the shoulder angel and the shoulder devil show up and they're making food for everybody too. That's the end. So they totally cut Yzma out of it. I don't know. I don't know if that works It actually kind of seems like a better ending because Kronk's whole joke was about how much he's obsessed with his cooking and then they just throw in the squirrel thing for no reason at the end, which fell out of place too. Well, the squirrel thing I think was the evolution of his character wanting to be part of Pacha's family, but he could have been part of their family making him food, which would have fit his have... actual character strength better. Right, rather than teaching them to speak squirrel, which I still find funny. But well, it's, it seemed like mm. more of a one-off joke 
And then it's not a one-off joke if it's your ending joke, which your ending joke is supposed to be punchy, and it's not. It's weak mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, honestly, I think it would have made more sense if his last scene had been him going back to the diner and working in the kitchen. Yeah, that would have even made more sense for the character. Yeah. They should definitely make a sequel where he does that. Wait, does he really? <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> I don't remember anything about Kronk's New Groove except you made me watch it and I'm trying to scrub it from my mind. So I know, and I should Apparently it was that, successful. Hmm. I'm just yeah, that's, a ne- that's a negative for this movie. It made Kronk's New Groove exist. <laughs> 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 yeah. Harsh. I guess another negative is that everyone wanted to wanted to get have their own version of um, Kronk. Like, just a bunch of other shows, well, not a bunch, I can only think of one, but they'd, you'd get a lot of Patrick Warburton imitators. That's true. Um, okay. The best Apparently, Patrick Warburton that... imitator is Samson in Venture Brothers, because it is Patrick Warburton. Mm. Nice. Or, it's like a competent croc. Or The Tick in the live action, The Tick. Hey, that was a great show, you shut up. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, but... It has Patrick Warburton, so already I'm like, you know, I know people say negative about it, but Patrick Warburton. <laughs> no, it's fine, if you like the tick. Anyway, yeah. uh, I don't know. I hate to say it, but some of Kronk's stuff felt forced. Mm. I don't know. It just, it just didn't, it wasn't as punchy. Like, something about it felt, it might be because it's in context with all these other Disney movies, which I felt oh, blended it didn't. Other Disney movies, I felt a lot of the humor blended in really well. It was actually pretty clever. Like me and my wife went through and watched a bunch of Disney songs, and I was like, from movies we'd already seen. But I was like astounded at how clever some of the lyrics were, and that made them funny. Like there was a mm-hmm. there's an aspect of wit to it, right. and I think Emperor's New Groove has a little bit of that. But most of the jokes are just manic Looney Tunes jokes that aren't super witty. I'm not saying Looney Tunes isn't witty because that's definitely not the case. I think there's some really good Looney Tunes. But, like, it's a lot of physical comedy, um, which can either be funny or not funny. And, like, yeah, so it just didn't click. Like, the joke of them running and then on the map having the dots and then looking back and then having dots. And then, again, the how did you get here before us? And they look at the same map. Like, that's that's a good joke. Like, that is a witty funny joke that can still be manic and weird and be super anachronistic. Mm-hmm. But like the joke with all the bats flying into his mouth, like the setup is funny, but like the the physical comedy of the bats being in his mouth isn't really, and then pushing him up is not like that funny. It's just kind of mm. stupid and well, kind of disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I think partly that doesn't work because it, because it's comedy solving a point of peril in the story itself. Yeah, which, good point. Yeah, which maybe I, I mean I guess it can sometimes work, but in this case it doesn't quite work as well because it's like even if it is funny, you're kind of like, oh yeah, but they got out of this dangerous situation, so was I supposed to be afraid for the characters or not? Yeah, and that's good in contrast. I was just thinking with the Isma joke where they lock her in the cupboard, and then you know the comedy <laughs> scene happens. Yeah. Like the the thing is that situation was solved through normal means because they locked her in they tricked her right that was the joke like the the the, the risk rather that was the resolution of the problem was they tricked them into being locked in the cupboard the whole turning into a pinata was just icing on the cake and so the comedy bit wasn't the solving of the problem the problem was already solved They've through already locked. yeah right and Kronk wasn't ever a problem break the door down 
<laughs> right. Well, she couldn't. She's Yzma and Kronk would. So at that point, it wasn't irrelevant. So, but yeah, I, I agree that, yeah, using comedy in that weird way to solve the problem was, it was funny when they did it for plot reasons by making Yzma and Kronk show up. It wasn't when it was like supposed to be a character bonding moment of them to you know, yeah. realizing that they can work together. Mm-hmm. Like the resolution of those two working together was not they worked together and they got out. It was Potch just s- smashed his back against some rocks and a bunch of bats flew with Cusco's mouth and somehow pushed them up the side of a mountain. Like that's not their friendship resolving it. That's weirdness resolving it. Well, and that's, I think they even look at each other like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, no, then he saves Potter from falling off, and that's supposed to be the character moment. Yeah, but right. it feels kind of after what we've just seen, it just feels small, you know? Like he gra- yeah. he grabs him and moves him out of the way when When they know. just flew up a cliff thanks to bats. Yeah, and yeah. that's supposed to be the meaningful moment, so it's like Yeah. Yeah, the tone. That's a big tone problem. Yeah, I mean almost I would say it probably worked a little bit better if they just played it off as they manage to climb to the top, they get to the top, and then something happens that Kuzco manages to make it up, but Potch is about to fall, and then Kuzco saves him. Like, that would have still fit in without it going too over the top, and still had mm-hmm. that meaningful character moment. Well, the meaningful character moment was that they worked together to shimmy up the side of the wall. Not that he saved them at the last minute. They just completely gloss over the whole you know, point of the previous five minutes of the scene. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's why it's weird. That's why parts of this movie, that's why the choppiness of the comedy, I think, works, but the choppiness and the, of their, like, storytelling of their meaningful moments does not work at all. Because mm-hmm. there's, like, no rhyme or reason to it. And it's fine when it's comedy, because it's Looney Tunes. There's not supposed to be a lot of rhyme or reason to it. And that's why, that's why it's funny. Yeah. But it just doesn't work when they're trying to, like, make characters have any sort of depth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it kind of feels that, I mean, I feel like, if you're going to make a comedy that has a story, both have to really be firing on all cylinders. Because if the story's weak, people may still enjoy it for the comedy. And if the comedy's weak, but the story is fantastic, you know. So what enjoy- you're saying is, now hear me out. When they do the live action version of the Emperor's New Groove, oh no, no, listen, you get Edgar Wright to direct it. Okay, he yes. would be really good at it. Yeah, see? He'd be perfect. Like, that would be awesome, because he'd make it witty. And, he, and he's a manic that... and kind of crazy director. Yeah. So it would work out really well. Except then they'd have to use live-action David Spade. That would suck. <laughs> what if they used that kid who did Baby Driver as the mama guy instead? He looks like he's five. So well, he'll be older by the time we've gone through Yeah, but he's like in his 20s, and he's not looking any older. That's fine. I don't know. Have you even seen Baby Driver? No. Well, it's good. You should watch it. Anyway. (laughs) Right, of course it's good. Any final negatives on this? Honestly, I can't think of very many negatives. It's the only negative that I really have besides the story is not stellar is that I've memorized all the jokes. So I'm thinking of the joke like five seconds before it actually happens. I still chuckle a bit. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's that's, still chuckle, but it's not the same as watching it for the first time. That's going to happen, I think, in most well, comedies and movies in general. Yeah, That's why it was so nice to watch Aladdin again, and it had been so long since I'd seen it, because mm. I really did not remember any of the jokes. 
Yeah, but here's the interesting thing: is like Aladdin. When I rewatched it, I felt the humor was it was still good. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as good as I remembered as a kid. It's kind of like the Mushu effect. But yeah. Aladdin had so much going for it underneath the surface that I appreciated more as an adult. That right. I liked it better, and even Mulan to a certain extent. Like once you cut all the Mushu stuff out. Oh, Mushu. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not the gargoyles, to be fair, but like still, yeah. Um, yeah. the problem is since the entirety of this movie is the comedy, once you cut it out, I don't yeah. know. It's hard to rec- it's hard to review this movie from a completely unbiased perspective, as everyone is saying, yeah. because we all loved this movie and watched it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So so much. Yeah, we've yeah. we've ruined the jokes for ourselves, basically, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah, and I think a lot of, and I think that's why a lot of the. Disney movies that make their way so high up on our list and will be on high up on the list, all of them are generally there for story reasons. The comedy can help, but usually the final say comes down to the story. Right. Yeah. Which is why, like, you know, people will... Which is why 75 years later people talk about how the death of Bambi's mom affected them or how the death of Mufasa, which is a story element affected them and really makes that move the lion king so memorable meanwhile people think of the jokes and i mean to be fair the jokes from this movie have made their way into into our zeitgeist because yeah. like everyone has made yep. a an, uh, an emperor's new groove joke at some point that's the my python the holy grail disney movie. yeah and so in that way of thinking about it is it going to hold up 20 or 30 years from now. It, I, one thing I will praise the film on, I mean, I praise on a lot of things, but it didn't feel like any of its jokes were time period sensitive, like yeah. Hercules did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more just kind of poking fun at general Disney plot things, which are still relevant. And also, yeah. he's not having a really ugly leg, which is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I like that joke. Um, that was a great joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's actually a big plus that they didn't fall into the whole let's just make fun of current celebrities thing, which yeah. was Hercules' biggest problem with its humor. Yep. Which is so. a problem with a lot of humor, especially from like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, well, all the, like the Aladdin sequels. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it could have been with Aladdin, but it still works because the genie just now seems crazy. So it yeah. doesn't really matter if you don't know who they are. It's more like I'm now getting the references I didn't get when I was a kid. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even then, they're pretty limited. They doesn't go too crazy on any of them. No. Which is good. good yeah. Film. Um, so let's assess our thoughts on The Emperor's <laughs> I'm just going to do the same order I did for introductions. James, hit us. I'm still going to give it a five, even though like I'm well aware of the story problems. Everyone can yell at me on Twitter if you want to. But I think this movie's really fun. I really enjoyed watching it again. I enjoyed talking about it. This is like the most smiley I think I've ever been on this podcast. Not that the podcast does not usually make me smile. But <laughs> Our I just listeners love. never smile when they listen. They just fall of a rage. They're just like, why, you guys? You fail me. Yeah, um, well. But I really love the jokes. I really like the characters. I guess I'm going to give it five stars. Derek. I'm going to give it four stars just because the comedy is four star is five star worthy, but for the entire movie to get five stars, it would have had to have a better story. And part of that comes down to rewatchability. This is a movie that I have to, 
I'd have to not watch it for a very, very long time to be able to get out of it what I got the first several times that I watched it. And yeah, so, I waited like three years and I still remembered 90% of the yeah, movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's about the same, yeah. So, But, I mean, that being said, it's like some... It's like the jokes have stuck with me pretty much my entire life since this mm-hmm. movie has come out. So I can't give it any lower than a four. The story... Yeah, because you gave Oliver and Company a three. Yeah, I'm not about to do that. <laughs> not <laughs> not going to put it down to that level, no. But, yeah, I mean, if we could do point fives, I'd do a 4.5. But since we're not doing that, it's a four. Good. No point fives. That's for babies. That's for babies. <laughs> I would also give it a four. Uh, I, I started this podcast while expecting to give it a five. Um, I think it's to the merit of the films you've been watching that I feel mm-hmm. that it is not as good as uh, some of the other Disney films you've watched. I still think it's a great film to watch, especially for kids and adults. Um, it's one of those few Disney like kid movie comedies that as an adult, if my kid chose to like it and watch it a lot, it probably wouldn't make me want to kill myself. Unlike mm-hmm. Minions, for yeah. example, where I probably would just kill myself, leaving yeah. my child an orphan. Um, <laughs> now there's and a they, they, would, they would completely deserve it because they watched Minions. Um, Aww. Dude, I'd rather freaking hate Minions. But, like, it's uh, still good. Like, I, I would put it in... If I had to separate the list that we're making in, like, films I would definitely give a kid or recommend... Dead films that I'd be kind of iffy on. Um, this is a definite. It's up there with like Mulan and Lion King, where I'd be like, "Yeah, man, like absolutely watch this movie. It's it's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the best thing ever, but it's highly recommendable." So hmm. now here comes the best part of the podcast. Yeah. No, oh, dear. Where do we put this thing? Oof. I have a place where I think it's going to go, but let's go down the current ranking of number one is Aladdin, number two is Beauty and the Beast, number three is The Lion King, number four is Hunchback. Number five is Mulan. Number six is The Great Moose Detective. Number seven is Tarzan. Number eight is Hercules. Number nine is Rescuers Down Under. Ten is Little Mermaid. Eleven is Oliver and Company. And twelve is Pocahontas. So. Hmm. I was. Yeah, tell us what you think. I. Okay, so I'm torn. I think it's in the range of. It's in the area of the Mulan Great Mouse Detective Tarzan zone. So the five to seven. I agreed to that. <laughs> my my current beef is I don't know if it's above or below Great Mouse Detective. It's kind of. I think I'm it's bet. I think Mulan's a better film, and so I think I'd put Mulan above it, which is weird going into this. But I I really think Mulan is a solid creation. Eddie Murphy side. I would put it above Mulan, but I like the area for it. Okay, I would be so comfortable. I'd be comfortable with any any of those slots. I think it for sure above Tarzan for me. So why but, do you think it's better than Mulan? I want your opinion. Um, because I I did not feel like Mulan was. Well, it just really literally comes down to enjoyment on this round. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy Mulan as much as I enjoyed Emperor's New Groove. That's fair. So that that totally could be nostalgia and you know rose colored glasses. I'm well aware. No, I think that's fair. I'm. I mean, don't because judge. when it gets to some of these things where I'm like, I. I mean, they're so close. How would you start ranking them? 
right. I have to go by something, and so I'm just starting to go by enjoyment. Do so you think it's better than Great Mouse Detective? Like as a film? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, this is a completely subjective list anyway, and so we're kind of going off both enjoyment and our opinion of the film's mm-hmm. quality, which is totally fair. Again, this is like. I mean, we all have perfect opinions, so this is literally the definitive list, except for the problem that the Lion King's in the wrong spot. But other than that, this is literally the definitive list. So everyone listening, don't worry. Share it with your friends. You can tell them, like, this is definitive. Walt himself would have put his seal of approval on this. Oh, my gosh, yes. But in that regard, (laughs) there is still subjectivity here. So you can put above Mulan and still think Great Mouse Detective is a better movie. Or sorry, you can put up Great Mouse Detective and still think Great Mouse Detective is a better movie. But I want to know if you think Great Mouse Detective is a better movie. Because I think it is. I think it's a better movie. I think Everton New Groove is like... But experience, The quality maybe? is better. Because I think a movie yeah. can be technically awesome, but still not be as good of an experience as another film. I think it's completely possible. That's true. Okay. So yeah, I'd probably say that the experience of Emperor's New Groove was higher for me. But, that being said... I thought Gravity was, a, for example, I thought Gravity was a technical marvel, but I think that movie's incredibly boring. So Right, right. Oh, Derek, speak up. Will you, Derek, uh, where do you think you should go? Do you, uh, uh, do you agree with the Mulan, Great Mouse Detective, Tarzan, five through seven-ish slot where this will yeah, probably live? That is definitely the slot. Below where, Hunchback. Below what? Hmm. Below Hunchback. Okay. Yeah. Hunchback is currently at four. Okay. Yeah, I do agree with that's where I want it to live right now in that general area. Right now, I'm trying to decide whether it goes above or below Mulan. Because if you'd have if you had have asked me after Emperor's New Groove came out and even a couple years afterwards, I would have said yes, it's a better movie. But it kind of goes to show how much story matters to me mm-hmm. that I'm having a hard time deciding if it's a better movie or not. I think Mulan is more rewatchable, even if it didn't have as as big of an impact as the Emperor's New Groove did. It has big so- man in it. B-Man's pretty freaking B-Man's great. So, Derek, like, from this watch, did you, would you put Mulan above it? Say yes or no. You don't get, <laughs> yes. to, just, you don't get to explain your reasoning. I just want to hear yes or no. Yeah, I, yeah, no, this most recent watch, yes, I'm okay. saying Mulan was more enjoyable. Okay. So are you going to put Great Mouse Detective above or below Emperor's Groove? Um... Yes, it is better than Great Mouse Detective. Um, right. Great Mouse we have De- found its place. Yeah, Great Mouse Detective is definitely a. It's like it's just a solid, really solid movie. But I really love comedy, even if you know it grows stale after a co- after se- several <laughs> rewatches. Okay. See, I, I would probably put it below. Thinking about, I'd probably put it below Great Mouse Detective, but on laws of averages. I am fine with it being beneath Mulan above Great Mouse Detective if everyone else is. I feel like that's that's a good place for it this much. Mm. Okay, so our list is Latin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Hunchback, Mulan, then Emperor's New Groove at 6, Great Mouse Detective at 7, Tarzan, Hercules, Rescue Stunner, Little Mermaid, All Company, and mm. Pocahontas. As always, you can view the list on either our website, if one exists, or somewhere. I will put it on MDB, your mom's house. I don't know. Just it's It'll be around. You'll buy a billboard and put it on it so you don't have to look it up on the internet every time. 
we're going to print it on the inside of every DVD case that Disney puts out so that you remember which ones to get, you know, the usual stuff. All right, now that we're done talking about llamas, let's talk about where llamas came from. Atlantis. That's that's a what? Don't laugh. That's a scientific fact. Atlantis, <laughs> the lost umpire. It's a baseball movie uh, starring Tommy Lee Jones as an umpire who gets lost on the high seas in a grand adventure. Becomes Roxo, the scourge of the nine islands. And uh, he loves baseball. That's the film. Uh, created by Disney in 2001. Uh, released the 15th of June. Rated PG. Wow. <laughs> Can we well, watch that That's instead? probably how it was pitched. That would probably yeah. be a better freaking movie than Atlantis. Nathan <laughs> takes a nap. Um, that's <laughs> what the actual movie is. Okay, <laughs> let me just read the IMDb summary. Because I don't want to think about this movie that much. A young adventurer named Milo Thatch joins an intrepid group of explorers to find the mysterious lost continent. Continent? Like a whole continent? That's that's pretty big. It was an island. <laughs> There's also another oh, problem. There's also another problem there. He's not an explorer. He's not an... I mean, he's not an adventurer. Also, they have a king, not an emperor, so it's not an empire. Yeah. An empire is also multiple small things moved together, and Atlantis was one unified city-state. Mm-hmm. So basically, this movie is just full freaking crap from the beginning <laughs> at least the emperor's new group's title is correct that's true yeah. so is this movie like a bad road to el dorado <laughs> is that what it basically is uh no hmm. because road to el dorado is a buddy comedy like throwback oh. to those road on the road with bob hope or whatever god i wish we watched that instead of this anyway um let's talk about atlantis the lost umpire starring tommy lee jones as roxo scourge of nine islands um Mm. I'll say, I guess I'll start. I guess there's not going to be much to say. Uh, I did not watch this movie until this podcast because it never interested me. It looked stupid. Um, my opinion has not changed. Derek. <laughs> All right. Um, this one, again, I can't remember. I probably saw it in the theaters. Um, the main thing that I took away from it when I was a kid was that I didn't like the art style. It was just, it was too angular for me at the time. Uh, I, as far as the story goes, I didn't I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. Rewatching it, I think I like it a little more now, but mostly in terms of well, I wasn't expecting much and I got a little bit of enjoyment out of it and the art style was actually kind of growing on me. I think I'm going to echo that, Derek. <laughs> yeah. I watched this in the theater. I think it was somebody's birthday party. I haven't seen mine. No one came to mine. That's, I would have that's, gone to your... That's where all the guys on your, from Nathan's birthday party disappeared to. Those bastards. They wouldn't watch <laughs> yeah. a worse movie. <laughs> they went and watched Atlantis. They went through time to watch a worse movie. Yeah, good on I, that. I remember feeling probably more confused than anything else, which, to be fair, the plot makes zero sense in this film. But watching it again as an adult, I finally got some of the references and the, like the ideas that they were going for. Did they succeed? No, not at all. But I really did enjoy it quite a bit more than I did the first time. So Nathan, you got to watch it again and you'll enjoy it more next time. Wrong. I'll fall asleep again. It's true. <laughs> hmm. I... Well, everyone seems to really like just love this Disney classic. 
the end of the Disney Renaissance. Um, after a transitionary phase to the Emperor's New Groove, we got this thing. I'd like to point out that the motto for this movie being made, according to the producers, was less songs, more explosions, which yep. sounds yeah. either awesome or terrible. <laughs> and it ended up being the latter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to talk about things we liked. Yeah. Um... There were some color contrast stuff in this film I really enjoyed. Uh, the mm-hmm. lava I thought looked really good. Um, I liked the the blue. I mean, that's kind of a generic blue technology thing that we do now, which I, if you want to know why, it's because when you record blue, you can use less light and it's less obstructive. That's why all old sci-fi tech and movies looks blue. It's a great oh. book. Called, it's a great book called Make It So, which is about the interface design of sci-fi and film and why it's the way it is. It's fascinating. You should all read it. Um, also, things I learned that. today. It'll bore you to death if you don't like interface design. But um, I liked the look of it. I thought that was fine. Um, mm. I didn't like the CG, uh, but I liked the way the boat, like the submarine looked. I thought the art style mm. for that was kind of cool. Yeah. And a lot of really good striking colors and shadows when he was like visiting that crazy old guy that sends him on his journey. Like his room looked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good color contrast, I think, throughout was like the most striking thing in terms of interest with the uh with the movie i also appreciate their attempt to make like a rip-roaring indiana jones which to be fair is a throwback to you know the 1950s serials but like yeah type venture i i appreciated that more than i actually appreciated the film mm-hmm. yeah. but i thought it was i thought that part was fine to try i mean they they tried with the Emperor's New Groove something new and it worked out, so can't fault them. It reminds me of the Iron Giant in where that I appreciate that it feels like a 50s movie more than I appreciate the film. Man, in I Atlantis, I, I appreciate <laughs> that the film feels like it was made in the 30s and it's one of these adventure Jules Verne's kind of thing. Hmm. But, I mean, I don't enjoy the film as much. I do mm. just say that the prologue is fantastic, and I wish that they had just done, like, carried what? that through the movie. The weird, Mady- the-, the weird and madiest race of them running away from Tidal Wave, and you have no context of the time period or where they are. Like, you like yeah, that? But they just, <laughs> if they just kept going with that instead of jumping to Milo, I would have mm. been all over that yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I want to get into the negatives, but this film's, like, editing, which is weird, because you don't actually, like, like, you compose cuts not based off recorded footage when you make animated films generally. You storyboard mm-hmm. at first. Its editing was so bad. It's like the worst movie. Mm. Yeah, they cut off too soon. And I did like that they did like side wipes and like upper wipes, like Star mm-hmm. Wars esque, which is a, again like at that time period of a throwback film. I did yeah. like that. I thought that was cute. Yeah. I I like some of the characters. Or at least I feel like I like the concept for the characters that they had, and I feel the characters in this. Yes, sorry, keep going. Like I feel like they deserved a better movie. Like for example, um, the Doctor Sweets. It's like honestly, I think he's my favorite character of the entire movie, even though his character arc is pretty inconsistent because he's introduced as a nice guy, and then for some reason he joins in excluding Milo, and then suddenly he's the one that's like, you know, we've been pretty hard, and I'm like, yeah. 
Why did you specifically start? You, they didn't give us a reason for you not to like him. Um, now, he and the demolition guy are the only two I really yeah. felt like any sort of connection yeah. with. Like, they really wanted you to be connected with the Hispanic engineering lady, but yeah. I just never got her. She felt kind of forced. I never yeah. got any of them, to be fair. Okay. Like, let they me, just tend me, to feel like paper thin, all of them. Let me put an asterisk on getting them. They were the only characters I had any interest in seeing do anything in this movie. Okay. I'm not arguing okay, that any sort of character depth, mm-hmm. but at least they were entertaining. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. It's kind of weird because as a kid, I was like, I really liked Helga as a character. But rewatching that the it, evil lady? Yeah. I like yeah, evil because ladies. Because she's your type. Yeah, I, I like evil ladies, but at the same time, <laughs> I feel like she probably could have deserved a better movie because, like, they, it felt like they had something, they, they, like they were starting for something with of a character arc, but then didn't really do anything with it. She was just kind of a femme fatale that somehow survives a huge drop. Yeah. Also, it was very clear who was actually evil when he goes around camp and hears everyone's backstories except hers and the captain's. Mm, it's yeah. like, well, gee whiz, I wonder who's actually the bad guys in yeah. this film. That that being Could said, be that being said, I did like the characterization of um of um was it Captain Rourke or Commander Rourke, the the, the bad guy. I liked Commander his characterization Rourke. before. The reveal that he's evil, even as obvious as it was, I kind of enjoyed his sort of like the way he reacted to Milo in some scenes. It actually wasn't that obvious to me that he was evil, which is why I liked him and why his switch felt weird. Because he felt just really competent. Like, Mm. I was like, I really like this guy. He's like, this is a huge disaster. Like, the body counts through the roof. But this dude is like stalwart takes yeah. control he's not like phased by the stuff he's a good leader in that regard yeah and that's why him being suddenly the major villain felt really weird like i'm like i don't actually hate him like oh by the way he just loves money and it's like well you never like showed this i mean you didn't need a song about mine boys which is like the only character like yeah. <laughs> comparison i can make is i don't even remember that character's name from pocahontas they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're both crazy imperialists trying to plunder the native lands for their own personal good. So the voice I mean, actor for Ratcliffe was in this movie, actually. Wait, really? Who was he? He was the uh, he was the director of the museum. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty certain it was him. It's it's his yeah, it's voice. David Ogden Spears, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. When, although they have this like terrible moment of foreshadowing of Rourke, where Milo's talking about oh yeah the things that we will learn on this um adventure will be small change compared to the cost and rourke is like yes this will be enriching for all, for all of us get it in rich yeah yeah I, honestly the twist where they be you know the twist where they all turn out to be bad guys does it kind of plate falls flat because i'm like oh look at all these lovable characters oh no they are there at no point did i feel like moliere the French guy. At no point did I feel like, oh, I am intimidated when while he's holding this gun. Also, I'd mm-hmm. like to say this movie is incredibly horrible to the French. Like, just the worst. Yeah. I have to say that the idea of a like a culture that had this great technology and lost it is an interesting idea. It's, it's an accurate trope, historical though. idea. It has mm. turned into a trope, but I think this movie did not play to the strength of that idea. Mm. Like yeah, the idea it, was, I was reading how it was made recently because of this podcast. And I was like, what were they thinking just to make sure I had any idea? 
and I think it was the producer was talking about how the Egyptians had no idea how like they had built the pyramids. I don't know if it's necessarily the Egyptians, but I do like that idea of this, you know, race losing their uh, previous knowledge. Not sure how I feel about it being restored by a white man. I mean, <laughs> oh boy, that seems to be the trope, right? Well, yeah, the right? thing is, yeah, to be fair, like, well, not to be fair, but in, in agreement to that, white man aside, like this, what's the freaking main girl's name? I don't remember. Kida. Kida I is like, I just remembered because I was like, 5,000 years old and she couldn't figure out her old language yeah, after yeah. all those years. Like, really? Is no. she just a total idiot? Okay, like, no. Yeah, no, that, that's the point. If she was a descendant of the people from the prologue, that would make sense. She right. is literally the person from that time. She right. should read the language. Someone was an adult at that time should have taught her how to read because granted she was a child at the time, but her father or someone should have taught her how to read because they should still remember at that, at that well, time. Okay. If we're going to transfer to things that yes. we have problems with, I, um, way, I have a whole rant, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, but but first, let me too. just say, the whole magic system and how they function does not make sense in that movie. It no. didn't make sense the first time. The second time when I was like, oh, maybe I was just young and didn't get it, really does not make sense. Is it what? magic or technology? That's my biggest question. I don't understand. I mean, it's, I the film know. seems grounded. It should be technology. It yeah. should be technology, but why the crystal? Why her mom? Why would she be stuck? I don't how it's, did this ancient civilization make magic shield golems? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. Well, it's don't like, think. it's kind of weird. It's like, it's playing, it's still science, but it's playing very loose and fast in it, in that it's a power source that eventually becomes sentient because it absorbs people into it, which... But it feels like it should be more grounded. It What it ends up feeling like is more like Star Wars. Where yeah. the you know crystals just magically have energy. Okay, we just accept it and move on because it's kind of this fantasy. <laughs> right. in space. Crystals can but, cut a bitch in Star Wars. Right, but this this one feels like it should be more grounded. Like yeah. Jules Verne's was pretty darn grounded. And even if it wasn't, you could they could have projected it in a way that made it less ground. Like it could have been like there's this myth of this magical energy that fell from the stars that fell upon right. Atlantis. You know, it's like. The, the magic in the Indiana Jones films, I think, is an apt comparison because, like, mm -hmm. none of that stuff is real, right? Like, the Holy yeah. Grail is not a magical power. The Art of the Covenant is not a magical power. It's a freaking – it's an object. Like There the, aren't crystal aliens and glowing stones. Right. The magical stones of India or whatever aren't actually magic. But, like, because you projected it as this thing that was this built-up mythology of why it has magic, there was suspense in trying to figure out what the actual magic was. Right. And in the, especially in the case of Raiders of the Lost Ark, it isn't until the very end where you realize that it actually is a magical object, which is mm -hmm. why the ending's so good. Like, right. the problem is, the thing is, they built the whole movie. They find, you know, the very beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark is him reading from the Bible and the warnings of the strength of the part of the Ark. And Indiana Jones is a skeptic and, like, yeah, it's mobile jumbo. And as they dig through the tombs, there's all these, you know, markings of the power of the Ark and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they get it. It looks normal. Nothing happens. But then it does have power. But, like, this crystal isn't built up at all. Yeah. Like, there's no, no. like, mythological entity behind it. 
Like, even just me making up, like, this was a meteor that fell, like, makes more sense in the context of the movie than whatever they tried to present. Like, Well, and well, if Kida is the descendant, then there's a legend that someone used that meteor crystal, you know, yeah. rather than... Apparently well, genetic code has something to do with it, because it has to do with a descendant. Like, what? Yeah. I, Honestly, what this movie needed is... It needed one of those crystal necklaces to have made its way to the surface, and then somebody found it, and that's why they believe that in the right. Atlantis. Right. That he has this necklace, and he's like, holy crap, I can power my whole house with just this necklace. But there's going to be more. There's a piece broken off of it. And yeah. so, like, you know, and then it's like, it's still a mystical object. And then when they find the crystal, you see what its power does. And it doesn't matter if it's mystical, because you already have context. Yeah, and what you could have done is, I mean, okay, so he has this crystal necklace. It does small things because it's away from its power source. But as they descend into the earth and as they get closer, it starts gaining in power and doing more fantastical mm-hmm. things, at which point you're building up the idea of what is waiting for us at the end and we're building the context of what it can do, and it's building this sense of wonder, which this movie is trying. They kind of, they kind of try to do it with her healing him with the crystal, right? Like a right. little bit, and then a little bit in the prologue showing the crystal is means something. Yeah. But since we don't have any context beyond that, it doesn't work. Yeah. The other thing I wish that, well, and this could be everyone screams at me because in you know I'm wrong. I felt like. You can feel Joss Whedon's writing on this one, and he was one of the first writers to work on it. I wish, really, I wish that they hadn't spent so much time trying to make the characters have backstories and be witty. Because in a film like this, especially one made in like the 30s, it was about the adventure. You just kind of have the stereotypes and don't worry about it. And it felt like they were trying to give background to the stereotypes, and it didn't really do anything. Yeah, you have like three core characters and one strong protagonist. Again, like the Indiana Jones films, right? And and a villain you hate, which this movie didn't really have because he wasn't no. actually a villain until the last third of the film. And Milo and- is not competent enough in other areas to have really carried an adventure film on his own. Yeah, That's what makes Indiana Jones great. Yeah. Problem. Well, yeah. But Indiana Jones is like competent in uh, archaeology, he's competent in history, but then he also has enough physical strength to do stuff. And Milo, yeah. to me, and never felt And his weakness is he's kind of a dick. Right, yeah. like that's kind of his thing. Is he's selfish, especially Instead at least of, in the first movie in particular. Yeah, yeah, which is the best one. Yeah, this movie, I, this movie really did does feel like it needed an Indiana Jones, which it doesn't have. Or just make Milo a little more competent and a little less like bullied or squished. Yeah, it on feels or like he's almost forced. Like he does, he's he's put on this journey because he feels like it's something he needs to do for his grandfather, but he never seems to be enjoying it. Yeah. Nope. The scene where he gets on the boat makes him feel like he's having second doubt thoughts about mm-hmm. this thing, yeah. which does not make us want to go on the journey with him. Yeah. Right. It, he needed to learn other skills over the course of this adventure. I mean, imagine how much more fun this movie would be if you see him learning from the other characters and become and his arc is basically, hey, I'm going to become the type of Indiana Jones-esque adventurer where I have, you know, my main skill is my knowledge, but I have other skills as well. It's like a jack-of-all-trades, which I think they kind of tried to... Instead of doing that, they kind of just had his linguist stuff pay off. The thing is, it didn't even save the day. They saved the day through spaceships. Like, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I I'm preparing my big rants. So I have a couple I have a, <laughs> I have a couple mini rants that I'd like to address. Okay. Go. First, the scene where he says that Iceland 
where they thought, oh, they thought it was in Ireland, but one of the runes was mistranslated. It's in Iceland. Okay, that's not how translation works. Yeah, yeah, but... The words words in the language that it was written in for Iceland and Ireland would not have been that similar. No. They wouldn't have, so it's They don't use the same letters, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they don't use the same letters, and they have different words. It's not literally just the runes represent English words. It's not how that works. Okay, second... (laughs) <laughs> There's the scene where he's going on about how it's pretty he's, zippicky. Yeah, and I was like, it is. It is. I, mean, I have to say, frame forty-six of work. scene five, you can clearly see <laughs> that Milo's hair is a light brownish blonde, and then in the following scene, it's a straight blonde. I don't know how Disney could let this happen. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> this is along those veins because okay, the scene where he is talking <laughs> yeah, about the missing that there it feels like the journal is leading up to something and then it goes off on something else oh no i agree with this yeah see Keep he going. says it he says it's like there's a page missing okay but as he's saying that he is he on one page on, on the, the right back. and it's he the turns same page yeah. there is no page missing <laughs> it's the same page nothing's been ripped out and there, I'm like, there would be a hole there <laughs> yeah and it's yeah and i'm just like Okay, okay that, that's a fair one. I mean, yeah. That's so stupid. They did it because they wanted you to think there wasn't supposed to be a page, and then King James or whatever, Roderick, what's his name? Hitler? He's still a page. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, Rourke. Rourke. Okay, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah, and then he reveals it, and I'm like, so he literally ripped, how, did he, did he glue the other two pages together? And the thing is, when did he rip it out? How did, did he rip he... it out when he saw the journal before? Did he rip before, it out when he took it from the old guy who sent him on the trip? Yeah, I don't know. But also, here's the thing. How would he know that's the relevant page? Because there's a, yeah. because there's a drawing of a crystal Good on it? Point. That could mean anything. Maybe they just like jewelry. Also, he can't read it, so... Exactly. Yeah, he didn't know the power source was a crystal. Yeah. And, okay, here's another thing. So... Effing hate this movie. Anyway, I'm coming to to hate it more, and I don't want to. But anyway, Kida, she is five thousand years old, or how much? I like her. See that that ties into part of my point. For five thousand years, (laughs) the hot princess of this kingdom remained single, just waiting. That is kind of my point. That is part of my point. Yes. Well, it's just like okay. Look, here's. I That's mean, exactly my problem with the Disney classics. Anyway, did it explain why they lived for so long? The crystal. It does say yeah, that. It does say that the crystal. Yeah. That's freaking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, okay. Look, I'm not with my previous point. I'm not okay, saying. You, nitpick, you need to finish your nitpicks. Yes, I have this is the, crit- yes. This is the end <laughs> of the nitpicks. I just wanted to <laughs> clarify that I'm not saying that. I think she should have gotten in a relationship. That because she has to. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. 5,000 years is a very long time to remain single for anyone. Did they not anyone. have kids? They were kids. Because in the, they would have so, propagated. Yeah, you'd think. So there that, would have been a lot more people than there she were. She was looking for a nerd, and since no one knew how to read, no, she had but I mean, someone the showed up. Them, like, the Atlantean just, over 2,000 years? Like, yeah, so, do you know how fast populations would grow? That's a lot of years. But they didn't have any food, so everyone probably died. But they're all immortal. And yeah, they, but they said that people were content. If your children were starving to death, they wouldn't be content. Not content. Do they have birth control on this magical? Did they invent that too? That's the what crystal, the crystal's for. Maybe. The crystal just make okay, yeah, sure. The crystal makes them impotent when they want it to happen that way. That makes sense. Okay, just write it all off. 
Alfred hates this movie. Okay, so <laughs> now, yes, now get all into these nitpicks aside, the fundamental problem with this film, there's I have two key problems. The first problem is there is no character development whatsoever in the entire movie. No. No. Zero. Zero. And the and the and this would be okay. I, I mean, it would be tolerable if the adventure was fine. The problem That's is right. the adventure is so badly paced that it's completely unengaging and there's no stakes. So yeah. like there's no stakes because I don't care if any of the characters ever die. And that and the immortality of the main characters is emphasized when you kill hundreds of extras for no reason. And then there's no the stakes are removed. Like when the Leviathan mm-hmm. fight happened, like I was I'll be honest, I was surprised the boat blew up. I thought it was gonna last longer than that since like you know on the cover. But like hundreds die, but none of the main people die. Yeah. So I was fully aware at that point that all his characters are invincible and every other character I saw Mm-hmm. was expendable the funniest mm-hmm. part to me about this is there were parts when i think they were drilling through some wall and then a bunch of the trucks get destroyed and a bunch of people get killed mm-hmm. i did not realize there were more people in this <laughs> expedition and they just showed up and died yeah One and thing- then you get to the end and the hell gasts show up which none of you will get that reference because none of you played kill zone but the the people in gas masks showed up I'm like, mm-hmm. where did these fools come from? I didn't ever see them. Yeah. I, I thought everybody died. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the guys in gas masks, you would have thought that Milo would have stepped back and said, uh, why do we have faceless minions on this expedition? Are, yeah, so, are we the bad guys? <laughs> the baddies. But the main problem, <laughs> the main problem with this film is that, is that, is that it either needed to rest on its characters having being yes you know likable and having some sort of growth or change which didn't wouldn't really happen because they have such a huge side character cast that wasn't very well developed that to me is joss mm-hmm. whedon is the joss mm-hmm. whedon portion it's all these mm-hmm. characters with their specific backstories and then they're not fleshed out or developed i don't mm-hmm. i'm not super fond of joss whedon sorry fans but like or make it about the, the engagement of the story but that with mm-hmm. the poor editing and the no stakes and like really not really understanding what they're going for or the point. And really just the pacing is just so poor. Like they either mm-hmm. need to get to Atlanta sooner or have it yeah. be the end game reward. Like it had to be one mm-hmm. or the other. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that in that, especially this watch through. Because when I started watching this on Netflix, I'd realized that months ago I'd started watching it again. And then mm-hmm. I got like halfway through and just stopped. So I had to resume from the beginning because uh, I want, you know, watch it all the way through. But actually getting through the part past the part where I stopped, I realized how rushed the Atlantis portions are like so rushed. Yeah. It spends so much time getting there that by the time we do get there where the main plot happens, it's just way too fast. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what is the main plot? Is the plot this interesting film where you see this magical new civilization? Cause that could have been the movie. Like it would have been that totally fine. Been and, yeah. and this, this cross cultural thing which is kind of like what pocahontas was right mm-hmm. or or is it about you know making a rip-roaring adventure film and this is just the payoff reward at the end like indiana jones and so but the problem is it was trying to be both with mm, a yeah. boring cast of characters bad editing bad pacing and so it's just the whole film was just incredibly boring yeah mm-hmm. and i don't know yeah one thing and the thing that just doesn't work as well is the fact that Milo stays behind. It doesn't work for me this time because... That's exactly the problem I have at the end, too. Yeah, with because, I mean... Like, what? Granted, they don't do a suddenly they kiss and now they're in love because they, they'd known each other for a day, literally. 
But mm-hmm. still the fact that he's staying behind and they're holding hands, implying that these two will become romantic later on. I'm just like, why? Well, and it was implied that he'd never come back. Like to me, his character been, I'll stay here because I'm kind of an anthropologist, playing anthropologist now. Yeah. But I'll come back with my findings once I fully understand. But no, it's like we're going to stay here and lock up Atlantis again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why? Yeah. Well, like I can understand you, him wanting to stay there to study more. And they did a little bit of that. But at the same time, it feels like suddenly now I am the new king or it's something. It's the same choice in Tarzan where it's like, did it make sense that Jane's dad was staying there? No. Like, well, why? Why is this just? Oh, they'll be happiest if we just keep them here. Yeah, well, that's well, yeah. Make it's them pushing out. It's like the Mononoke ending where you should have left. Eh. Yeah. Well, we should have been like our cultures are incompatible, and we're not ready for you because you're advanced, more advanced, or more selfless, or something. Yeah. Which again wasn't developed enough. But like, there's clearly supposed to be a divide in culture. Yeah. Sorry, we, we don't believe in the uh, meteorite crystal. We got to right. So uh, we have to, or, you know, it's clear that we as men are not ready for Atlantis' technology because we're not worthy of it. We need to leave and, and leave you be. Or, you know, mm. even despite our differences, we found that working together has made it so that we can, which didn't really happen that much. So we need to, like, unite our, our kinds, which also didn't happen because yeah. they sealed the city afterwards. Well, yeah. And, well, I mean, comparing it to, like, the choice at the end of, um, Tarzan, the entire movie, or at least a good chunk of the movie, was leading up to that decision. Here, it feels like an afterthought. Where it's yeah, like. It's just, it's just bad. Yeah. Well, mm, I'm complaining more about this movie than I thought I would. It's just really bland. I don't know. It's, Every, yeah. It's yep. just. And it's just. It's. Unfortunately, I think being unmemorable and bland is almost more offensive than being bad. Because, yeah. like, at least with being bad, it's, like, interesting. Pocahontas exception because that movie's boring and bad. <laughs> this movie's just boring. I don't think it's actually, well. It, has... it doesn't offend me on a fundamental level like Pocahontas does, but it's just, it's complete. I'm going to never think about this movie ever again after this podcast, I'll just be honest. Mm. And I'm not, and I'll be totally fine with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might watch it again just because I developed enough of an attachment to the characters that I like to rewatch it and then sit there imagining what better could have been done better with them. Fanfic, fanfic. This is, this is a prime example of reasons why fanfic exist. Characters mm-hmm. that are just strong enough in a plot that is just weak enough that the audience is thinking, you know what? I bet we could do something better with this. No. Eh. They're all boring. I- the comedy's terrible, too. Just the, the comedy yeah. is probably the weakest part in this entire film because every time something quote funny happened, it screeched the entire film to a halt. That mole guy is like the most obnoxious Disgusting. character I've seen in a long time. Yeah, um, I feel like this yeah. film people love him. Is so mm. frustrating if it wasn't a Disney film to me, because yeah. I feel like if it was like Warner Brothers film, it would have been like okay, you know, but Warner Brothers was... film, no one would be ever talking about it ever again. They just right, don't. yeah, it's, you know, like a troll in Central Park or yeah, Rocket Rooster, Rocket Doodle Chicken. What's that Don Bluth film called? Oh, it's uh, Rocket. It's Rocket Doodle. Rocket Doodle. Right? Rocket Doodle, Rocket Doodle Rock- yeah, no Rocket one freaking cares about Rocket Doodle. Yeah, right, and that's the thing. <laughs> to, to not even Don Bluth. It's not. <laughs> it's not in the you know a canon that is being held up as the standard. 
And that's yeah. my problem with this film. The only time I ever hear them mention this film is when they say it's like the film that officially marked that the Disney's films are going downhill again. Like this, this is like the catalyst film because yeah. most people still thought Empress Root was okay. It was like a masterpiece, but it was like fine. Yeah. But this film was bad, and it was just like you know, it's bad, it, and they should feel bad. Yeah, it is. I mean, there are movies that are coming up that I hate more than this one yeah, by a wide say, margin, but it is the kind of the I point. Like, so. Yeah, it is kind of the point where it's all Brother downhill Bear? from here. Brother Bear's not next to. It's next to. Lilo and Stitch and Treasure Planet. Oh, Lilo and Stitch is fine. Huh. I actually really liked Lilo and Stitch when I watched it. I kind of liked Treasure Planet. Wait a minute, is this I... not the watershed mark then? Well, this is to most I've people. never seen Treasure Planet, by the way. Like, at all. I kind so. of enjoy it as long as you... You'll enjoy it more if you just ignore the fact that they're, like, Victorian era era. Wait, don't ships. say anything. Just let Nathan watch it. No, Victorian era ships in space seems freaking rad. I'm on yes. board. Okay, in that I'd case, same. you might enjoy it. But yeah. yeah, that's goofy and weird in a way I like. That yeah. This movie yeah. is not. I think, right. that, right. I think the thing with this movie is that this was the movie that disappointed enough people that they... Lo- that they lowered their expectations mm-hmm. for what a Disney movie is. They still put out quality. Like well, Lilo that's and good because in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Lilo and Stitch is good. Treasure Planet is good. Brother Bear had some solid moments. It had hey, a lot we're of not garbage. up to these films yet. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm putting it in context. <laughs> we're spoiling the rest of the podcast, guys. <laughs> we know Jarek's opinion. Yeah. I heard him say Brother Bear has this moment, so I think freaking full crap. Well, Have you seen we'll Brother see. Bear ever? Yes. Really? Okay, well, let's talk about that later. <laughs> I get what Derek's saying, though. Is that, like, this is where people started thinking that Disney films were kind of just average. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't a magical thing anymore to go watch a Disney movie. It's the Cars yeah. 2 for Disney, basically. Oh, just the Cars 1 for Pixar. That yeah. movie's bad. That movie's awful. I think the the Dinosaur movie was the one where people realized that Pixar kind of is... Yeah, anyway. Well, dinosaur after Dinosaur movie came all those CG movies, which... No, 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 not dinosaur. The littlest dinosaur, the Pixar one, the oh. friendly dinosaur. I didn't watch friendly it. Friendly dinosaur. No, the good dinosaur. You guys. No. Your mom's a dinosaur. That's probably. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have we trashed Atlantis enough? I think so. Um, probably. Did you have anything else that you wanted to rant about? I didn't like the art style either. Yeah, it's grown like on it, me, actually. but. Mm. I didn't like the character design. I thought the backgrounds were fine. Yeah, the character design was a little. I odd. thought the CG looked terrible. Eh, well, yeah, I've seen worse CG. I liked the way the characters actually looked because I felt like it was a, such a different way of presenting it. And then when I found out it was like patterned after the guy who made Hellboy, I appreciated it even more. I hated the way Atlantis looked. Is this weird Greco-Roman meets Mesoamerica thing? That I didn't think was. It just felt like the generic what, how Atlantis would look. Oh. I'd appreciate if they actually like did something creative with it, but they didn't. Mm. Everyone yeah. associates it with with Greek Greco Roman because Plato was the only one that ever mentioned it. Yeah. You know, Plato's probably just full of crap. Yeah. So like you could have done something weird, like put Victorian era boats in space, <laughs> but you didn't. Yeah, so. I'm really oh, excited for you to watch that movie I've, now. I've actually got one more one more nitpick. Oh man. Okay. So this is it. All right. So. The moment where they meet the Atlanteans and realize that they speak can speak all languages, and Milo <laughs> theorizes that clearly they are, they must speak a root dialect from which all other languages evolved. So Latin. That is not 
how languages work. You cannot go back thousands of years to the ancestor of the Germanic languages and expect them to understand what we are saying. Okay, but to be fair, if you learn Latin, which I have learned Latin at some point, Seriously? you can pick up on foreign language, romantic, yeah. romantic languages a lot easier. You can guess because oh. you understand grammatical structure and keywords. Well, yeah. As a, as but, a certified speech therapist, I can confirm that the Atlanteans did indeed speak correctly. Are you being honest? I thought no. they just made the language. <laughs> they just made the language up. It was yeah. the guy that invented Klingon. Made this. Okay, well here's it, the thing. Here's the thing. Though. I was just ridiculous. Yeah. Although I am certified speech therapist. I'm just well, being here's the thing though. They what they were positing was that. This is a language even beyond before that. This is a language that is the ancestor of all le- European languages. As well, I mean, it makes sense see. that an isolated island kingdom with no contact to the outside world and technology that was never exposed to any of their ancestors elsewhere would have a language that spread across the entire continent. Well, yeah, that oh, part wait, makes sense. That makes no freaking wait. sense at all because yeah. they were freaking isolated. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're yeah. like the Galapagos Islands. Well, not only that, but it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not only that, but still, it's like you can, yeah, I mean, if you say Latin, you can understand a bit of current modern romantic languages, but those are like one language generation removed from each other. Well, no, she was speaking English like two seconds later. I'll tell you what happened, Derek. I know, actually, Mm -hmm. and you can't argue with this. This is fact. She listened with her heart. Oh my goodness, I knew you were going to say that. And I was like, (sighs) she listened with her heart. I will (laughs) say... I will say she's a better Pocahontas than Pocahontas. Yeah, that's kind of the lost cause. I felt like this could be a good movie about the the horrors of imperialism and like colonialism, and it actually would have made sense because they are literally ransacking an innocent place and they're a bunch of white dickheads. But instead, it's just a boring movie about nothing. Yeah, it's mm. all right. Should yeah. we do some final thoughts? Yeah, final thought, here's my man? final thought. Um, I think this was the worst movie I've seen on the show so far. Wow. Um, really? It's Pocahontas, despite my hatred for it, has redeeming qualities. I don't think this movie has anything. I would never watch it again, and I paused it like five times because I was so bored, and I went and like made mac and cheese and did other things. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> One on scale of mac and cheese or Atlantis, which do you prefer? I picked mac and cheese. It was really good. It was those rat Brand that are like bub, oh bub, yeah, organic. overpriced organic mac and cheese. That's what I ate. It was I'm delicious. Also. Yeah, it was organic. It was just what the Atlanteans were eating because <laughs> they live in the ocean. They they live under the sea. Sebastian should have been in this movie. One star, mm. Derek. Dang, I. There are things that I like about this movie. There are things I don't like about this movie. It's not a overall. It's not a well-made movie. They made too many mistakes for it to be considered a good movie. I mean, you've just been listening to me explain all that, but I still like what it. What do you think about Milo's hair in scene forty-seven? Oh my gosh, Nathan! No, it did Sorry. stand out. It did. The, his hairstyle was weird because it's. How like, do you think about him wearing glasses underwater and them staying on his face? That did, but and the fact that they weren't wet when he came out of the water that did bug me. You of mentioned you joke about that, but yes, that did stand out. Hey, what? What? We got? What? What? Is, what is Derek, final okay. rating. Originally, I was thinking. 
I like it more than Oliver and Company, so I should give it a three. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, do I like it more than Oliver and Company? Yes, no. I do. I give it a three. Uh, but I, I doomed pretty... myself early. Okay, no. Here, okay. Here's the okay. problem. Okay. Oliver if and Company... Oliver and Company rating didn't exist, what would you give it? I'm just striking that from the record. What would you give it mm. on a scale of one to five? With no context for Oliver and Company. This is episode one. Two. And you've just watched this last. Okay. Yeah, so I would like to change my Oliver and Company score because here's the problem. It was the second unless we keep bringing it back up, and it's James that keeps. I was gonna say, who's doing that? I can't. Yeah, well, it's that was the second movie we watched for this podcast. I was feeling a lot more generous. Okay, it's been eroded. What do you give Oliver and Company? Two, one. One? Well, oh, oh, no, no, I'll do it. I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two. Yeah, you gotta save that one for Brother Bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Chicken Little. Yeah, but since I it's scored all over in company where I did, I still enjoy Atlantis enough. I'm gonna st- final answer a three. What? After changing all of our company, after <laughs> me letting you retcon it, I'm undoing the retcon. Now they're the same score. What are you gonna do about that? Okay, okay Derek. I can I'm gonna stand with you and say I like this more than Oliver and Company. And I, I like it more than Pocahontas. And I gave Pocahontas a two, and I gave Oliver and Company a one. Two. two. Yeah, I think this one deserves a two. But I do, I would put it above those other two movies. Are you freaking kidding me? You guys nope. are insane. <laughs> this movie's way worse than Oliver and Company. Oh, uh, I, I, like, I loathed Oliver and Company. This one, I was just kind of like, uh, Which okay. one would you rather watch? Atlantis. Really? I'd watch it's Atlantis, so and then I'd watch Pocahontas, and then I'd watch Oliver and Company. It's so you, boring. You don't understand how much I hate Oliver and Company. Why? I, don't, I really don't. Like, it's not that bad. It's just it's mediocre. Just, no, I just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. We should it make also, you watch it again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it makes, me angry, <laughs> makes me angry that Derek gave it a three, so then it makes me you know, hate it more. <laughs> no, I want to stay a three now, because I like that it annoys you. <laughs> Like how it annoys me that the Lion King is below beauty. This podcast is descending into madness, just this, like Emperor's New Grove. This podcast <laughs> is about me putting movies places that Nathan hates. I, <laughs> it really I don't is, hate though. it. I don't. I just don't understand. I cannot fathom how you thought this movie was better than all our company. Like it literally is breaking my brain. I'd rather watch spaceships and there's no spaceships. They're in the water, so they're water ships. Okay, water fish, flying fish things. Yeah, but fish don't fly. So I'd rather watch that than the cat. I hate that cat. What's wrong with cat? He's cute. Ugh. (laughs) It has that great song. It goes, "Watch your worry." Okay, at me at binge watch fan. Give me all your complaints. In the but I don't actually remember the lyrics. It has the you and me together song. It has a cool butler. Name one cool butler in Atlantis. You can't. They all suck. What? Okay. Hmm. Nathan. Okay, wait. We've placed the movie where you don't like it. Can you give us the final? I will put this movie. Okay, I'm not even going to read the top of the list. Just just read the last bottom two. Okay, (laughs) 10 is the rescues down under. 11 is the little mermaid. 12 is Oliver and Company, and 13 is Pocahontas. Hmm. Now, I would put it below Oliver and Company and above Pocahontas. Even though I said I hate it more than Pocahontas. Wait, why would I do that? No, I put it at the bottom. Pocahontas has Colors of the Wind, at least. 
I put it above hmm. Armor Company. Um, Wait, would you still watch Pocahontas again or Atlantis? Uh, Atlantis over Pocahontas. But I'd watch Pocahontas over Oliver and Company. You people are insane. Derek. <laughs> well, prepare to break out that phrase the second time. I'm putting it above Oliver and Company. All right. Well, since you all have terrible taste, would you put it above The Little Mermaid? No. Oh. About the ocean. One has cool space. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure about that? Okay, Salty Wait. Nathan has now joined our podcast. <laughs> about the ocean, I'm allowed to be salty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm almost feeling like maybe we, maybe as much as we complained about Pocahontas, maybe we put it too low on the list. And now it's fine. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to sabotage the list and say it's my number one, and then we average it out. It's going to be like above the Emperor's New Groove, and then I'll take it as a moral victory. (laughs) Wait, what are you saying is number one now? Brother Bear? Oh, I'm going to put it as my number one. No, you already told us where you would put it. I'm going to pull it up. No, but I changed my mind. You guys convinced me that it's a better movie than I thought it was. Nathan, shut this down. I mean, Milo. Milo is voiced by Michael J. Scott. Fox. What? No. What Michael are you? J. Fox. Michael J. Scott. Great Scott. And I like him. I like him better. And I don't even know the voice actor who played Aladdin. So, Atlantis wins my number one Disney movie. Nathan, you're the absolute worst tonight. <laughs> so, by the average, it is now better than the Great Mouse Today. Oh <laughs> This is revenge for putting the Lion King on the real beast. <laughs> I kind of feel I, like at the end of this, we're going to need to have a round table and rearrange the list into its I final form. People saying their personal list versus what actually came out. But the actual list is the correct list that is canonically 100% accurate. So wait, are you, you're just not okay with us saying it's above Oliver Company. You want it under Oliver and Company. Yeah, I like Oliver Company. That's fine though. It can be. Well, it's okay directly beneath Little Mermaid because then both of our like fish-related movies are together. Yeah. I mean, keep the fishes together, guys. <laughs> I mean, a water-related. One. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I hate Oliver and Company. I mean, you saw what score I gave it, but I'd probably rewatch this one before I rewatch Oliver and Company. Well, that's that's fine. I mean, there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what this comes down to. <laughs> he literally just called us bad critics and he's going to kick us off his podcast no that's fine <laughs> guess who has the physical <laughs> copy okay. of the audio literally at this point I'm arguing like which freaking piece of trash in the dumpster is <laughs> higher rated they're still in the dumpster because it's still a freaking garbage like, I would so, rather eat this rotten apple core than lick that rotten banana peel exactly. Okay, <laughs> I don't really care it's at the bottom of the list as long as Latin stays at the top so <laughs> I, Whatever. Aladdin's going to stay at the top forever, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I am going to be bitter that The Lion King is not number two forever, though. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. Right, so I'll keep paying you under the table for that vote. Thanks for that. Do you realize how many people are going to crucify us because you put Pocahontas <laughs> beneath Atlantis to Lost Empire? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Okay, you know what? Yes. Pocahontas is a better made movie, but it, I still don't really like it. <laughs> it's just really boring. Like, it's, yeah. uh, here's the thing, though. 
I never paused Pocahontas and like fell asleep and made mac and cheese. <laughs> I did do that for Lance's because it was so boring and I was so completely unengaged. Yeah, and to be fair, as much as I'm defending it, um, defending it being on top of the trash heap instead of at the bottom, <laughs> I did start watching it months ago and then stop and forgot that I'd done that. It's the harshest thing to call those three movies the trash heap. Warner <laughs> Brothers would be like, please give us your trash heap. We would love to have one of those films. Well, this podcast is going to turn to dumpster diving because we have to freaking watch Brother Bear and other crap. <laughs> yeah, Wait, this... no, next week's okay because we have to watch I Like Lilo and Stitch. Okay, yeah, yeah. this... I next mean, week is fine. This week is we have reached the top of this of the diving board above the heap of... Uh, above the dumpster, <laughs> and we are ne- next week is us approaching the ledge. We have not yet yep. jumped. We're jumping in two weeks. Yeah. Join uh, us then. Kill me. Yeah. So the list currently, for people that are unfortunately still listening after <laughs> any argument of the worst Disney movies, which is probably wrong anyway, because people like Pocahontas. Um, number one is Aladdin. Number two is Beauty and the Beast. Number three is The Lion King. Number four is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number five is Mulan. Number six is The Emperor's New Groove. Number four is The Great Mouse Detective. Number five is... Wait. Number I, seven is The shoot. Great Mouse Detective. Number seven is The Great Mouse Detective. I ruined everything. <laughs> the podcast is over. Number eight is Tarzan. Number nine is Heracles. Number ten is The Rescuers Down Under. Number eleven is The Little Mermaid. Number twelve is Atlantis the Lost Umpire, starring Tommy Lee Jones as Roxo. The scourge of the nine islands, or whatever I said. Number thirteen is Oliver and Company. <laughs> but why though? Number <laughs> and number fourteen is Pogoners. But why though? I want to Pogoners above Oliver and Company if we're doing this, because I'm freaking. If we're gonna just kick Oliver and Company, I'd make it the sacrifice for this list at this point. I'm freaking kidding. Well, that uh, we have fish movies together and the imperialist movies together. <laughs> We're not grouping this crap. This is stupid. Also, we have to watch all the original Disney films so people will get more reasons to hate us. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, I'm freaking done. <laughs> so I'm done with this podcast. I'm done with Disney films. Until next week. Don't don't worry, listeners. Your favorite person on the podcast is not leaving. You can instead tweet me at the useless god and tell me how Atlantis: The Lost Empire is the best Disney movie ever because it's bold and daring. It has a new creative vision. And oh, or don't. I don't care, Derek. Where where can people tell you that your opinions are just so good? They can tell me that my opinions are terrible at binge watch fan. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, at Burning Lizard. <laughs> and James is at Binge Watch Fan in case you missed the joke. Ha ha, very funny. That was a great joke. <laughs> I really appreciated that one. I mean, you get all these things. Why did you rate Oliver and Company three stars? I hate you. Wrong. <laughs> no one's going to say that. Because people actually like Oliver and Company because they don't think Atlantis The Lost Empire is a better movie when it's a pretty <laughs> degenerate film. Anyway, thank you for listening this week. Hopefully we can have this much fun trashing your childhood memories next week when we watch Treasure Planet and Lilo and Stitch. Please, and you can all just 
prepare for the obvious joke next week when I do introductions to Derek Stitch. Ha ha, hilarious. So, look forward to that. Don't, I don't care anymore about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's <freaking> done. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Good. Put this in the recording. Atlantis sucks balls. Well, there goes our G rating. <laughs> what we I never already, had a G rating. I already said a swear. Our G rating is way gone for good. Oh. <laughs> and I talked about selling my soul to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we Even got if... that on tape. Well, we should have. Opening and ending music by at Ben Sound. Podcast cover art by Nathan Rackley at Drawakir on Twitter.